Welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. We are your hosts of the show, Karen and Kelly Sarlow. Whether you're struggling with grief or you just need answers, we connect you with spirit to find relief, clarity, and direction in life. We can help you move forward. Good morning, Kelly. How are you today? Um, a little bit better than you. <laughs> we are both struggling with illness. We both have colds. So we're going to muscle through this show. Yes, we are. So can you give me the name of a female today, please? I have chosen Samara. Okay, thank you. Samara begins her session and just asks me to do open. And I got to tell you, Kelly, her session started when I went for a walk that morning. And it came through at the beginning of her session that everything that I had been getting on my walk was stuff that I needed to recall and to deliver to her at the beginning of that session. And that I was going to be able to ask the guides questions and they would fill in some missing things I didn't get on the walk. So I told her that. I said, I think I got everything on the walk this morning. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I said, but really it's just to validate that this is correct. This is your story. And she goes, okay, go. What are you, what are you doing? Just go. She said, I'm interested. And I said, well, I said, the first thing I heard is that you've been diagnosed. And I said, and you've been diagnosed with several things over um, like your whole life. I said, it starts when you're really quite young. And she goes, this is very true. She goes, do you have more information about what I was diagnosed with? And I said, yeah. I said, they they tell me that when you were quite young, you were diagnosed with ADD and then re-diagnosed with ADHD. And that the person who actually diagnosed you was a pediatrician. And she goes, spot on. So continue. Like, what about that? Can you give me more information? And I said, yeah. I said, the guides are saying that the pediatrician really was doing their best trying to figure out um, what was new, like what was up and coming in medical science to be able to fit together this group of symptoms and I'm going to say basically complaints about behavior um, and about moods. And she goes, yep. And she goes, anywhere in particular, Karen? And the guide said, she's not testing you. She's really interested because this is filling in um, areas where she's been very confused and where she often just daydreams or lays down or just goes for walks and goes back and ruminates about why this was this correct? And that she will actually go back and do research about those things in order to say, did that really fit? So she's working so hard at trying to figure out what fit and what didn't. But because she doesn't have enough educational background, she's not fully confident in the... um, the information that she's got and how she's putting it together. And they said, no, wait, this gets more complicated, but this is true. So I told her that and she said, yes. And she goes, I just want to hit pause for a second. I want to thank you. She says, because even though you're not telling me anything I don't know, and other people might think, what a waste of money and time. This is totally worth my money and my time, because you are validating for me 
my experiences in life that other people have had me question. And as a result, that I have felt very lost about who I think I am. Then the guides told me that as she made moves in life with her family, because her family moved about every, I think they said three to four years, and she confirmed that they were a military family. And she said they made big moves, sometimes within one country, and sometimes to completely different countries, and sometimes to completely different continents. So when she made a move in childhood to a different country, she was assessed again by the school system because of behavior. And she went to see a different type of doctor. It wasn't a pediatrician this time. This doctor said, oh, you don't have these. You have, and gave her another diagnosis. So she she said, well, what do you mean? How can you say I don't have something after I've been diagnosed by another doctor? How do you just throw out what another professional says? So there was confusion for her. There was confusion for her parents and for everybody in her family that we have these different diagnoses now. So how do you know which professionals to believe? Because are they not equally educated? Oh, no. There's no way I would accept an yeah. ADHD diagnosis from a pediatrician. Yeah. And, and, and or from a teacher. And yeah. you know, I grew up and I can I can take a guess at how old she is, but she grew up older than me or yes. around my age. Because we were the coming generation where ADHD started to become a thing. Yes. And it was teachers and and pediatricians who were quote unquote diagnosing psychological disorders. Stay in your fucking lane. Yeah, and the very first person that she heard this diagnosis from was the teacher in her class. And then a principal who chose to side with the teacher, thinking she was being a team player with her teacher, that reaffirmed what the teacher said. But this kind of came out like through the session, how this unfolded in life, how she was able to learn these things. So we're wrapping it up neatly for the listeners today. But there's actually a lot more in her session where she affirms for me and says, yes, I found out later in life that mom and dad had a fight with the principal. I found out later in life that mom and dad were mad at the teacher for saying these things to the principal without it being properly diagnosed, but then was diagnosed by a pediatrician. So the teacher was like, ha. Well, yeah, and at that point, too, doctors were on different pedestals than they are today. Oh, yeah. There wasn't as much credibility given to the psychology world Yes, to say, you do two different jobs. Yes, and this is quite the journey for her. I will say, too, for anyone listening, like, at that point in life, teachers were expected to be the primary caretakers. Yeah. Right? Like there was so much put on to teachers where they were spending the seven to eight hours a day with the kid. You were supposed to make the observations. You were supposed to tell the parents what was good or bad with their kid so that the parents could do something about it. And I can totally empathize with the principal where they were trying to solve a, a behavioral problem in the classroom. And nowadays, I mean, ADHD is something that is absolutely blowing up. It's all over my feed in social media. People are understanding that it is a symptom 
or a response to trauma. Oh my God. How the freak am I supposed to do the show now? Oh. Okay. Well, I mean, you're sick. You just go lie down. Are we done? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay, Kelly, Elizabeth, Sarlo. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> yes, you just got that. Um, you kind of wrapped up really quickly and, and quite well a very long story that we got through in an hour. And it did. It really took us a good hour to unweave everything that happened. Mm -hmm. And it took time. And I want to say delicious time by Samara. Like they got, the guide sat there and said the teacher did her best. She really thought it was on her to diagnose. Mm -hmm. Oh, because they got blamed for not identifying these things in students. And she demanded in a report card that if she would not allow the student back in her classroom yep. without meds. So they really felt, she felt, the teacher felt that she was really helping the family, that she was giving them answers and direction, that she was giving them support, that on the medication everything would be better. Mm -hmm. And I both love and hate this story. And I, like, for these reasons, I love it because it is educational right? It's saying, hey guys, in a different generation, at a different time in life, this is how things were handled. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I, I hate the reality of it. But I also really, really love that younger generations will listen to this show and potentially have little to no empathy for her story because their lives are different. Mm. And that's good. Mm -hmm. Not to say that lack of empathy is good. That's not what I mean. But the fact that some generations will no longer be able to connect to the trauma of what Samara has experienced mm -hmm. is exactly why we want to keep growing and evolving so that other generations don't know the struggle mm -hmm. because we just do things differently now. We just treat each other differently now. Mm -hmm. So this teacher um, decided to label these children in her classroom, and she did this to several children. So if anybody had behavioral issues, she sent home this note or put it on the report card or did whatever. And then as you're hearing, her principal supported it. Her board of education supported it. And she ended up really making it well known that she was good at this. And so the system, the board of education, gave her more of these children, which is not what she wanted. She didn't want more. She, she just wanted to be able to help the four or five that she had in her class. But as the years went on, she had eight in her class and then 12 in her class. And then she had 30 in her class. And she was like beyond stressed. So this, I'm going to, and, and I say that because they know this teacher. I'm going to say, how in God's name can Karen get all of that affirmed well, because they actually know the teacher personally, mm -hmm. so they can truly understand. And I want people listening to this to understand and put one and one together to make two, that we get all this information affirmed because she's able to do that for mm -hmm. us. So they explain how she now labels them in the classroom to the other students, and she's creating separation. Because shame usually helps heal things. Yeah. Right. That was sarcasm for anyone who didn't catch that. Right. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good, just in case someone didn't and they're hurt. That's good. I'm glad that you've said that. Let's be very clear, because that's part of what's 
what this story is all about. Well, right, because that was also a generation of tough love. Yes. That was the withhold so that they'll learn their lesson. So if they're exhibiting behavioral issues or they have ADHD or what we believe is ADHD, we will we will withhold certain things or give them consequences so that they'll learn to come out of it. Right. Yeah. And so this ends up creating more problems, really, than less problems. But the teacher sees less in certain areas and more in other areas and then just thinks they need more medication. So she sends home a note saying the medication has to be increased. And unfortunately, her parents follow what the teacher says and doesn't go back to the doctor and say, do I increase these meds? They listen to the teacher and increase meds, which means that there are more problems because now she's more sleepy, now she's more fatigued, now she's more irritable because she's getting into more trouble, and now there are more problems at home. I, I <laughs> Like, behavioral problems are not like allergies. You can't just give it a pill to make it yeah. go away. Yeah. Yep. You you have to treat the pathology of it. Right. And the parents don't go to therapy. They don't take her to therapy. They're not doing any of this. It's strictly this is the medication. This is what the pediatrician has said. And but more importantly, this is what the teacher has said. And that's and that we really need to make sure this is clear in this particular client's story because that is her story. And it might be someone else's story as well. And that, that's why we tell these stories. Someone else might go, hmm, I need to ask mom and dad more questions about when I was growing up. And who actually gave them information? And what kind of help did they actually seek? That might actually help someone understand and place and fill in those holes in their stories. So, And that's why we tell these, of course, right? Mm-hmm. So then we move on and they move to another country and her parents now are in a new school system with her and there's a different way of seeing things in this country and in this country or at this Europe are we in Europe now you know what I actually don't know the answer to that (laughs) continue but they actually um, suggest and have different ways of dealing with it in terms of that they have therapy in the schools So they actually have her assessed by a therapist. And the therapist says, okay, she's on these medications and I'm not qualified to take her off. So I'm going to suggest a psychologist or a psychiatrist because we have to have this properly assessed. So the school board hires a psychiatrist and a psychologist to come in together to assess her, and which is normal in this system. They're not... They're not the parents' responsibility financially. The school system and society in general sees it as their responsibility. But we're at the very least not in North America. And the assessment at first means that they're going to take her off medications and that she's actually going to be in therapy and that she's going to be in therapy during school and that this is not something she's going to have to seek after school hours, though they do suggest that the family get therapy, that the parents do, so that they can properly support what the teacher in the school system is going to do. And this teacher um, decides, well, then I need to be seeing a therapist because I need to be educated to understand how best to help these students. I can't very well call myself a teacher if I don't understand 
what my students' experiences are and what their learning curves are and what their challenges are. And I can't understand that if I don't have it myself. So the next best thing to do is to educate myself to be able to understand it. So there's a massive change in... um, Mindset. Yeah, a massive environment. You got it. And so they see a change, but they don't see enough of a change. So she ends up in therapy um, outside of the school system as well. And this is later in life. This is as she's going through teenage years. And a therapist once again diagnoses her. But this time, I think the guide said... Uh, and I can't remember what the term was because I don't think, I can't remember if it was called a psychotherapist at that point, Kelly, or in that country. I can't recall. But anyway, she was diagnosed with ODD, Oppositional Defiance Disorder. And um, they suggested, you know, that she go through certain types of therapy because she's defiant and yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, um, she now has to throw out these other diagnoses of ADD, then ADHD, and now her parents are like, who the hell is she? And how do we actually deal with this? So now all this defiance is called ODD, and her parents interpret it as, well, in other words, she's bad. Well, in other words, ODD means that she's just defiant. Well, we'll fix that. So she for anyone who just heard the term ODD also a response. Like we don't wake up and fucking choose violence as healthy human beings. Yeah. We wake up and choose opposition because we are trying to preserve some feeling of security and safety for ourselves. And if that means opposing another person to protect ourselves, then that is the thing we do. But that's a response. That is not, that's not a broken brain. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that she's, she's off her meds mm-hmm. um, and that they're figuring out and trying to problem solve other things. But you can also kind of hear the messy, nonlinear process that this is taking where we go from ADHD, which at that point was a very mysterious kind of thing, not necessarily bad, but behavioral problems, to now she's a bad kid. Well, what does that do for the psyche when you're being told that you go from bad to worse? Exactly. So doesn't really encourage the, the opposite of ODD. Right. Yeah, so things get a lot harder for her at home. Things get a lot harder for her at school because now she's seen as just oppositionally defiant stubborn and so the teachers come down harder on her at school no empathy no compassion no asking her questions about what's really going on in her life her parents think okay let's team up with the school and let's bully. get hard on her at home and they, they, she really does get a system here where um both systems team up on her and i do want to say something and make a good note here she has moved again to another country mm. so the healthy system that she stepped into in one move is is taken from her because of another move to another country. So just as you're feeling like you're starting to get answers and a routine, your foundation is taken out from underneath you, which would definitely trigger more ODD. Yes. 
or whatever they're deeming it to be, right? Because now yeah. we're in the fight, flight, freeze, fawn situation of, holy shit, my safety's gone. I ha- how do I protect? And we got to remember here that what becomes evident throughout her session is that her parents are not healthy. Her parents are not in love. Her parents are not a team. And that this isn't even a healthy family unit to support anything she's going through. They have their own anger issues. They have their own frustrations with their careers. They have their own problems with move after move every four years. Like they just have a mom who's, she has a mom here who's angry that she's a single parent because there's a dad that has a job that, yeah, I'm going to move you to another country. But then once I get there, they're going to place me in another country. Mm. So it isn't even fair that mom gets moved say to Canada, let's just say Canada. Without her support system. Yeah. And then now she's in Canada and she's trying to raise her family and her husband now gets moved to Afghanistan. And so why didn't you leave me in the country I was in? If you were going to move my husband to another country, why did you move my family? So there's all of this frustration and anger about just even about the whole military life, which all by itself could be another show. But we don't have time to go into all of that today, so we stay focused on the fact that in another country, another move, another doctor, this time it's a medical doctor, it's a physician, um, diagnoses her with anxiety and depression. Yeah, okay. I'd be the first one that's starting to get us somewhere. Mm-hmm. And flat out says to her, I'm willing to diagnose you with these, but I am also going to say to you that you have to see the proper professional. I'm not giving you any medication. So I'm willing to say you've got this. I'm willing to listen to everything that you've been through. And I don't have time in the 15 minutes that my governing body allows me. Now we're back in North America. Yes. (laughs) Yes, now we know what country she's in. That's definitely Canada, and it's definitely Ontario, because Ontario, Canada regulates that our medical doctors have 15 minutes, basically. And one problem only. Yeah, we are told you may discuss one to two issues at most, which is an entirely flawed system to be able to do that and to tell these professionals that's how they have to run their careers. That is just an absolute shit show right there that needs to be totally dismantled and revamped for the professionals so that they can do a healthy job and be happy in their own careers. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's told this and she goes, yeah, she goes, keep going. This is helping me so much. And I said, well, this professional was able to say to you, I can concur that you are in anxiety and having panic attacks and you have a right to be in that situation. Your panic attacks are legit. Okay. I'm going to use some different terminology. Go. Proportionate. Awesome. Right? Like when we say we have a natural response to something, when your brain registers threats or true fear, anxiety is a natural response physiologically, emotionally, mentally, physically in the body. Right? And so we have a proportionate reaction to our environment. 
mm-hmm. and the stimulus around us. Mm-hmm. When someone just says, oh, you have ADHD, and they write it off like it's your fault or you just have, quote, unquote, bad behavior, because that's what it was back then, right? We know things differently now. It, this is a proportionate thing where we can have empathy and say it makes sense. Uh, it's understandable that. Yeah. And and this is a key thing that comes out in the medical appointment is that her physician has empathy and that she feels this, which she also felt, let's face it, back in one school system that we described in one country, right? Where empathy was part of the system. It was expected from all professionals, from the teacher right through to everybody in the system. And then we see where in other countries, empathy isn't even allowed. It isn't even given time. Mm -hmm. And I want to point out that empathy needs time. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, without time, you don't have a process. And if you don't have process, there's no room for empathy. Yeah. Yeah. And some of our systems are squeezing out time. Mm -hmm. They are not giving teachers time. Therefore, teachers don't have empathy. And therefore, we think they're not doing good jobs. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is, the system squeezed it out of them. And we have to be able to acknowledge the system did it. And the system means the government. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean the Board of Education. It means the government of Ontario. Yeah, it's a trickle-down effect. That's right. That squeezed out that medical practitioners feel strained to show empathy. And I don't want to speak on behalf of all teachers or all medical doctors in Ontario, Canada, and say none of them have any of this. That's not my point. It's hard to continue practicing empathy in a system that doesn't make room for it or doesn't value it. Yeah. And what we're trying to say here is that we need time. We, we need, and what she needed in life was for these professionals to be able to have time to actually be able to address everything about her as a whole. Mm -hmm. I also want to touch on the depression diagnosis. And, you know, one of the things that certainly wasn't talked about back then was the term situational depression, right? So there's a very big difference to look at someone and, and hopefully with the proper scans to say you have a depressed brain. There are certain things physically going on or not going on in the brain that we can say there is depressed movement or depressed activity in the brain, right? Mm -hmm. And, And then it becomes a different way of targeting how to heal. When you turn to someone and say, okay, it makes sense that you would have situational depression given the circumstances or environment that you're currently in, then depression doesn't become something that you are. It becomes something that you're currently experiencing with the empathetic statements of proportion or it's understandable that. Yes. And now she doesn't understand anymore that it is understandable that I am depressed, anxious, and having panic attacks. She Because this has been a whole life. So she doesn't understand that it is situational. Right. You internalize it like I am wrong. Which you is got it. Your entire lifetime experience of shame. Yes. So Mara has people that are also speaking to her like it is her life and that it is who she is, mm-hmm. instead of acknowledging that it might just be situational and you can come out of this. Mm-hmm. So she hears in this conversation with myself and with her spirit guides, that this is situational. And I can't even begin to tell you the look on her face. 
the energy between the two of us. And she goes, go on, just, just go on. There's so much in me that wants to cry and melt down. There's so much in me that wants to rage and scream. There's so much in me that wants to lay down and sleep. There is so much in me that wants to giggle and laugh and embrace my inner child and say, come sweetie, I have found you. And there's so much in me that just wants to like blow the whole thing up. She says, and I'm just not even sure what I'm supposed to do. So could you continue? And the spirit guys came in and said, yes, number one is nutrition. I was wondering when that was going to come up. Yeah, they said number one is your nutrition. You need a nutritionist that understands depression. You need a nutritionist that understands the brain. And honestly, Kelly, in a nutshell, Dr. Uma Naidu. And I'm going to spell it because I love to spell. But I'm also going to spell it in case anybody out there is like, what? Say it again and spell it for me, please. U-M-A. And her last name is Naidu. N-A-I. D-O-O. And she has a book called Your Brain on Food. And she is a psychiatrist uh, with a whole team of psychiatrists doing research, connecting brain and nutrition. And um, I will leave it at that because that was a resource that was given to Samara that I really wanted to share with everybody. Well, and I hope, it, like like any story that we tell on Coffee with the Sarlos, that people are hearing either um, drawing their own parallel, right? Either I have experienced one of these diagnoses or someone I love has experienced one of these diagnoses, and what can I do with this information to help myself heal? Whether it's psychological healing and you're hearing that therapy is a great option and a necessary option, whether you're accessing better nutrition for yourself, like find pieces of yourself in the story to do something healthy with the information. Don't just think that's nice for Samara. Mm -hmm. And the nutrition would be linked to her hormones, would be linked to her adrenal glands and cortisol would be linked to a variety of things that because she also has not been given proper nutrition, and this goes back to parenting, this goes back to a society, again, in all of these different countries, that doesn't value nutrition, that makes the boxed processed foods cheaper than the fruits and the vegetables and the meats and the healthy foods, whatever you consider your healthy foods. Because I know people listening might go, meat, I'm a vegan, I'm a vegetarian, that's not healthy food. We are not trying to um, judge what people are saying are healthy food, but we are certainly trying to say that the processed foods and the sugars and the carbs and unhealthy carbs and, and these things that certain countries are putting into... Fake sp- food. Food-like substances is the word we're using. Yeah. And, and, and I certainly know that the fake foods are the foods that school councils are selling on hot dog days. They're the ones that are, that are putting out the fake foods f- that are used to for birthday parties at school. Uh, and I know p- parents, we've done the same thing. And, and it's not that I'm here to criticize. It's here, and I'm hoping what people know about us now, is that our intention is to educate, not to shame, not to say bad on anybody. We've all gone through different things, and we've all gone through recognizing I made mistakes. I fed my kids sugar. 
I fed my kids processed foods. I did this. Or how about I digested the belief system of my time? I I am a a child, like I'm saying, I was the child of a generation that was just starting to use the acronym ADHD. I absorbed the beliefs and the the narrative that was talked about in the classroom where I felt annoyed with the ADHD labeled children and I believed it was their fault and that it was their choice and that mm. they they were purposely disruptive right and, and like it this is why I'm saying we're not here to shame or to label things bad or good or to you know wag our finger at anyone mm-hmm. it's to say as we learn and gather more information how are we choosing to evolve how are we choosing to grow as individuals in those patterns habits that include your belief system mhm yeah very much so they tell her to walk every day they tell her to um to, to choose to do something with her body, um, how do you say that, Kelly? To expel her energy, like whether she wants outlet. to dance, and yeah, thank you, an outlet for something. And then they tell her about being creative, and they say to her, "Hey, consider creativity," but they don't tell her how. And and she says, "Oh, tell tell me, tell me, you know, how am I creative, Karen? You're talking to my spirit guides. You tell me." And the spirit guides go, "No." Simply, no. We're just going to set a boundary and say, no, that is something that you're supposed to enjoy. You are supposed to figure it out by trying things and learning something about you. If we just say to you, oh, you're an artist, go get yourself some oils and get a couple of canvases and buy the right paintbrushes and get her done. Just do it. Then you may miss out on the other five things that you try before then that still might bring you joy, but aren't your ultimate goal that you're going to continue to strive to get. Right. Also, though, just for listeners, fair question on her part, right? Yes. Because some clients will yes. ask the question where they're having so much fun, like Samara, and I mean mixed in with other emotions, where they're like, holy fuck, my spirit guides know me. I'm, I'm not alone. Um, they're going to identify the thing that I'm already doing, and this is going to be validation and witness to my life. And it's a really fun question, and it's a really honest question, right? Because the discovery process isn't the point. They might already be in it. And then for something like this, where the whole point is to undo um, her life pattern of being told who she is and how she is or isn't supposed to behave by adults or quote-unquote professionals, Samara has to go through a process of not hearing what to do or be. Mm, which leads into, really well, Kelly, into the next point. The spirit guides then tell her to go listen to the crappy childhood fairy on YouTube. I think her name is Anna. And she is amazing. Now, I'm just pulling out that one particular YouTube channel because it's one of the ones that I found when I was listening to Dr. Romney and Dr. Les Carter and all of the other people that I listen to, right? So I want to always try to share as many resources as possible with people so they can pick and choose and say, maybe that one might speak to me. So she is told to go listen to the crappy childhood fairy because her YouTube channel is on childhood PTSD. It's very much on CPTSD. And not that they are diagnosing her, but that they are saying that as she listens to what Anna is talking about, that she will start to develop an education and 
a vocabulary to help her understand some of the things that she feels and the things that she has experienced. Okay. I'm going to, this is, people are like, when is Kelly going to talk about the Enneagram? She's so obsessed with it. Here we go. So to me, what you're talking about is if someone walked up to me and said, hey, you're a type three. And I was like, oh man, okay, I guess I'll read up on the three and I'll, you know, make make sure that fits into my story and then start living out that story Mm. and only do things that threes need or threes should do. And then someone goes, hey, did you know there's like eight other numbers and, you know, 26 other subtypes? Maybe you want to read up on a couple of those. And all of a sudden I read up on the one with a proper subtype and go, that is actually more of my story than what this other person was telling me. Mm-hmm. And you find yourself more truly, yeah. more wholly in a different story. That is revolutionary. Oh, you've done it. Right? You've done and, it. and even though bits and pieces of the three or whatever other personality type might make sense to some degree, you find more of yourself, more of your truth in another number, right? Or in another diagnosis. I'm so happy we co-host. Same. I was really panicked that I was going to have to do this one by myself because you're more mucousy than I am. <laughs> She's told at the end by her spirit guides to just to continue to seek to find herself. Yeah. And that she will constantly change with life, that she will be diagnosed again, and it likely will be CPTSD. And this time, she will likely self-diagnose, that she will likely listen to this channel or research more, or go to therapy, and she probably will be officially diagnosed with that. But they're cautioning her. They're saying, that's okay, because it's 2022, and that's what we know. But in 2040, that might change, and that she needs to be able to love herself enough to know that we are constantly evolving. And that the professionals are trying to see things and describe what something is and diagnose it to be able to help people. They're trying to create certain drugs that do help with certain things, that nutrition and exercise and outlets and social systems and therapies change, and that things will continue to change. The key thing here that the guides will bring at the very end of the session is her walking. And they say that the most important thing that they can tell her is to walk. And I asked why. I thought, okay, is there something that goes with this? And they said, yes, because her walks can be with friends where she discusses what she learns and that she sees whether they, it fits or it doesn't fit, you know? And maybe a friend might say, yeah, I don't think that's you. And she has to sit back and go, oh, okay, thanks. Uh, no, I see you've changed. No, I see that you do this. No, I don't believe that, and that this is good, and that there will be other walks where she thinks on her own, is this me? Where she thinks on her own, oh, am I actually like this? Have I changed? What what were my parents really like? And holy shit, does it make sense that I had ODD? Does it make sense? And was it really ODD, or was I responding to abuse? No, I was responding to abuse. I did not have ODD. I was responding to the situation and I was responding in a healthy way. Fuck you. And so she looks at me and honest to God, Kelly, you know, like in sessions, my hands will go up in the air in celebration and our arms went up at the same time together in celebration that 
Here she is finding out that some of these diagnoses were incorrect. She's finding out the truth about her life. And she's learning that having empathy for yourself is the most important thing. Having empathy for others is absolutely necessary for the human species to survive. But having empathy for yourself is what you need in order for you to survive. Well, I think this is really cool because when when we start a show by saying that someone just wants to go open, you know, there's there's sometimes an unidentified problem. Even when people book sessions because they feel great, the quote-unquote problem in those situations is that they still want validation, right? And and though it's not a, a bad problem to have, it's still something that they can't do for themselves, which is why we deem it a problem, right? So they call to have their spirit guides validate something, witness their experience to say, you're on the right track, you're doing great, here's something that you can tweak. So that they feel like part of a team when they can't hear the teammates cheering them on or giving them advice. So even though she walks in to an open session, it ultimately sounds like she actually needed more more validation for the uncomfortable feelings and and more of the, uh, well, I guess the empathy starting with the guides so that she could access it for herself. And and really, though she doesn't need it, we, we believe we do, the permission to have empathy for ourselves. Instead of just listening to that inner critic um, and believing that we have to be more hard on ourselves to accomplish more because she's been told her whole life that what she's doing and what she's getting as a result is her fault. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the guide and the story are the guides that you are channeling as well as yourself. And and you see that um, where you, as the channeler, and her guides, are, they're, not the, they're never the hero. <laughs> They're the person saying, here, we're just going to point you in the right direction and give you a nudge and you can carry yourself the rest of the way, which is what we all want to believe we can do for ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she gets to walk away with a fucking plan, Be- like feeling better about herself already and, hey, let's focus on nutrition, let's focus on education and emotional intelligence and therapy. We're going to continue to make sure that we are exploring self-understanding and self-care, essentially, for wrapping those three things up, right? Um, so she's got actionable steps, uh, which is tearing down old routines, old habits, whether that's be the behaviors on the outside or the way she continues to think about herself. Mm-hmm. And I love that because, you know, whether she came the day she did or she came in a couple of years from now, she may have sat longer with feelings of disconnection to her own self and others. She may have continued to feel misunderstood, especially since she's been told as a very big message that she is at fault. Um, and she could have continued to choose relationships that affirmed those false beliefs for her. And instead, she showed up, she remained completely open to what the guides were willing to offer her. And as a result, she felt seen, heard, understood. Um, she's coming out of isolation. And there, there's, like you said, more empathy for not not only others, uh, and, you know, the time in which those professionals came into her life and what they knew, but also more empathy for herself mm-hmm. all along her journey. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. And, and you know... I think it was, you mentioned that she said, you know, some people might think this is a waste of time. Do you really think those results are a waste of time? Well said. Yeah. Like you walk out feeling like a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. 
I think about the conversations that she's going to have now when she does go on those walks, Kelly. As she listens to all these different things, and a Dr. Uma and I do. Hopefully, and that's her choice. Yeah. She still has tons of choices to make because on a bad day, quote unquote, she may, she may go right back and revert to believing all the things that she was told. Yeah. And that does happen to us all, no matter how healthy we are. The rumination, the unwanted intrusive thoughts, they do come in. And we yet again have a choice to follow them. Or go, mm, no, I'm going to challenge those I know better. Mm. And, and I have the energy to do that, and that's what I'm going to choose to do today. Right. I like how you say we have the energy to choose to do that, because once you take that tiny bit of energy and choose to do it, and then do it, then you get more energy. Momentum. You got it. All right. You crushed it. Thank you. So did you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Coffee with the Sarlows. If you enjoyed the show today, help spread the love with a like, share, or review of the podcast. See you next Saturday with a brand new episode.